If you want me to read an ad for you or your business, just give me money. Okay, I will say how great your product is. I'll call you a humanitarian. This season, I'm looking to get sponsorship, which just helps take this podcast up another level. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you can do it and a couple of different ways you can reach out to me. So you can go to my email, which is uh, comediandayday, D-A-Y-D-A-Y at Gmail. Or you can reach out to me through my link tree, which is link tr.ee slash daypeacecomedy. Uh, anything is appreciated. Everything is appreciated. Don't forget to laugh today. Peace. Hey, what's happening? Thank you for listening to my podcast. Uh, I'm Day Peace. For for some, that I'm a mildly successful comedian. To others, highly successful. And to some, like, who the fuck are you? Okay, <laughs> um, this is not a family friendly episode. We are. I'm back with the shits. We talk comedy on this uh, episode, and it's not centered. You know, all, we're back to the regular scheduled program. But let me start off by saying thank you for listening to the last two. The last two episodes I had on a state representative, a young lady running for state senate, and uh, a Mason City police chief. And uh, again, just being completely full transparent, those episodes cost, okay? <laughs> like, after the episodes re- uh, aired, I had people, like, reach out to me, like, hey, I'm a Republican, can you have on, you know, these Republican candidates, and just, just a bunch of different options. And I, I want to say, look, the, it costs, like, I have to pay for studio time when I do episodes on location because this is not my normal setup. Uh, this episode is back to my normal via Zoom, which is not the best audio. That's one of the reasons why I, I wanted to stop doing so many guests because I would do these, you know, essential Zoom call meetings and record them and the audio is just not the best. And then you just miss out from being in the same room and having that same type of back and forth. So as amazing as this episode is, it does struggle with having incredible uh, audio like the last two ones did when we were in the studio. So I run these little ads and I do this little, hey, I need sponsorships because, you know, if, if you want me to have one, like, I don't know, Donald Trump <laughs> or or Kanye Owens, I don't call him Kanye West anymore because uh, he's off his rockers. <laughs> but but uh, I'm not going to pay my money to sit down with them. Okay. <laughs> so, so like, uh, as we move forward, if there are people that you're interested in, uh, I love having these types of dialogues. I'm okay with even having family-friendly like more family friendly episodes where we just have kind of a conversation. Cause I think that is, like I said on the last one, that's one of the best steps of moving forward. There's just this huge disconnect of understanding, like where you come from and where I come from. On the last episode, you know, I sat down with a police officer and uh, after we aired the episode or after we recorded the episode, we had this great dialogue that didn't get recorded. It didn't need to be, but part of that, that dialogue was, Hey, like as a black person, you don't know what it's like, you know, and and I'm not a cop. So I don't know what that life is like. So when we can start sharing and having those types of conversations, then we have a greater understanding of where everybody is coming from. And I'm telling you, it's scary. (laughs) Like if you've never been a black person in America, this shit's scary. And, uh, you know, vice versa with with so many other different stories that we just don't know because we we don't share. and We don't talk about. So. I share all that to say, this episode, we back to talking comedy. I'm talking to one of my favorite comedians that that I've gotten to witness. This gentleman by the name of Mo Alexander is dope as shit. He just released a number one comedy album. And if you know what I've been talking about a lot this year, it's winning season. And he's he's winning as well. And he deserves 
you know, the, the, the recognition, the credit. And if you guys love listening to comedy and comedy albums, I, I strongly recommend you guys go check it out. We talk about that, but we also talk about another thing that, that I thought was very interesting, which is the, which is headlining, like being a headliner and working with certain and different headliners and just that, that whole conversation that I kind of brought up a couple of episodes ago. So we're back to comedy talking shit and i hope you enjoyed the episode i will be back next monday uh y'all be safe just so you know i I, i'm recording this the morning before i head off to to austin texas for the altercation comedy festival which i bring up a little bit in the episode and uh you know this is just me speaking it into existence it went very well uh i had an incredible time I, I i went down with just dante powell last time it was three of us but it was just me and dante we had an amazing time uh, killed the stage, had great interactions with uh, incredible comedy and comedians, and uh, thank you. So, uh, I'll be back next Monday, and I'll talk to you then. Be safe. Peace. Uh, we back, and I, I, I gotta I gotta be honest. I was like, I'm not gonna have a bunch of guests on this season, but the people that I have on this season, some of the fucking best. I <laughs> and this gentleman is uh y- you're a juggernaut, man. I uh Dante Powell is one of my favorite comedians that I get to work with on a regular. And you right. you fit this caliber of when you get on stage, he is not fucking around. Um, go ahead and introduce yourself. <laughs> let, let everybody know who you are and uh, give them a little bit about about Mo. Uh, this is Mo Alexander, comedian, uh, thought terrorist, mental depravity at the finest. I make fun of everything that you're telling people to say you're not supposed to make fun of because why? There shouldn't be rules in comedy. If it's funny, it's funny. I'm sorry. There's people who look at things straight on, and that's people in the, in the, in the everyday normal world. Then there's people like you and me and Dante, a couple other people who our heads are always cocked to the side and we see it from a different angle. So that's how we make fun of everything we find out. There's no, there's no sacred cow. Make fun of everything. I made fun of my mom's funeral. So if that tells you anything about me, I'll tell you, if I can make fun of my mom dying at her funeral, I can make fun of anything. Don't, don't even play with me. Like, when did you get to that place? Because, so I've been doing comedy for 11 years, and okay. I, I would say about half of that, I don't want to just throw it away, because obviously it's important to the journey. But mm-hmm. I would say about halfway through is when I started to like, okay, let me go in this this new direction that I think is a little bit more who I am. You know, it's like when you're finding your voice or whatnot. Was mm-hmm. there something that happened for you maybe early on where you're like, this is how I'm cut. This is how I see comedy. And these are the things that I'm going to joke about. Okay. For me, it was, it was several, there's a couple of different steps. Okay. Cause we first started one of my heroes is still one of my heroes in comedy today. I got to hang out with him one night. And that's it. Uh, uh, Sinbad. Love Sinbad. Right. Make anything funny. Talks about just walking on and sitting on the porch and waiting, to, just waiting for the streetlights to go out and make it funny. And he was an idol, man. He still is. But my comedy was always a little bit, my internal parts, myself, who I am, am darker always than anybody else out there like that. I mean, I can tell you the very first joke I wrote, not as a comedian, just as a weird kid, okay? Just as a weird kid. The very first joke I ever wrote. Uh, you know, you, you remember Teddy Pendergrass, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here's the very first joke I ever wrote. This was like maybe 
twelve. Okay. Okay. It's like and now my impersonation of Teddy Pendergram. Turn off the lights because I can't reach them. Mm. <laughs> mm. Wow. <laughs> As you, you, people that are listening, you can't see. He's getting closer to the screen. He's, he's green. Moving. He has because he's in a wheelchair. He yeah, he's moving closer to the <laughs> But But when I started doing comedy, when I started doing comedy, it was like I just wanted to go up and things, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just, whatever I thought was funny, we tossed out there and do that. But then I saw this guy named Bill Hicks. Oh, um, Hicks, after, yeah. Hicks, 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 after he died, that was the first time I, I, I ne- I'd never heard him. I had been doing comedy maybe a year and a half in, and I saw this uh, HBO special called Revelation. And I sat there with my mouth gaped open for the entire hour mm. and threw away my note, threw away my notebook immediately, threw away my whole notebook. I'm like, I'm doing this wrong. I'm mm. doing this wrong. And then came the years of, oh, you're just mean. No, I'm not mean. I'm just trying to show y'all. <laughs> I'm not mean. I'm not, you're mean. Yes, I am. Shut the fuck off. They came a few years later. I had this other headliner come up to me. And this is what I'm, I'm middling. I'm middling. I'm at the improv in Dallas. And I don't even want to say his name, but he came up to me. He was like, how long have you been doing comedy? About five years. Oh, it takes five years to write a good joke. Let me show you how to be funny. And um, I got a standing ovation that night. He came up to me. I didn't, I, I didn't expect you to be funny. I was like, yeah, I know you didn't. Wow. And- <laughs> wow. I'm an ass. I'm an ass. I- I'm an ass. I'm a real straight up with you. I'm an ass, but I'm not maliciously an ass. I'm just trying to be, I'm just trying to enjoy life. Well, th- this is going off a little uh, out of the way, but I want to talk about it because I think you may bring some great perspective. So uh, okay. I-, I was doing an episode uh, a couple weeks ago. And I was kind of talking more about the headlining title. Um, mm-hmm. One of the conversations that I, that I have with some of the fellow comedians in my area is, damn, we got to drive. Uh, like I, I did a show in Indianapolis. I had to drive nine hours to headline a show, but I couldn't headline a show two or three hours away from, away from where I actually live. And that sort of opened up this conversation of, uh, what is a headliner today? Because it seems like it's changed so much. And I say that from, from a perspective of credentials. Like, it seems like once you reach a certain level, you've, you've gained enough material, you have a, a stronger resume, you've worked with some clubs, you've worked with some people that, okay, this, this individual, this comedian has enough to headline. My first question for you is, when did you start headlining and how how different is it now to like how maybe how how more difficult is it now to headline certain spots rooms you know for you it uh i first started headlining in 99 and that happened because i was at the i don't want to yeah i would say it, i don't care i was at the comedy catch in uh chattanooga tennessee and i was mentally originally but the guy they had me with should never have been behind me at all and it lasted and it lasted one night. It was like, yeah, we're gonna swap y'all. We're gonna swap y'all. I was like, well, yeah. Uh and they swapped they didn't pay me anymore, which pissed me off. It was like, what well, we already paid the headliner. I'm like, well, this is bullshit. I need some more money. Right. But they didn't right. pay me anymore. So I ended up going up and headlining my first shows at an actual club then because the feature the headliner actually couldn't follow me, so they swapped us immediately. 
Nowadays, you can be a headliner of a comedy club and never set foot in a comedy club because you got a million followers on TikTok and you're doing stupid shit that you cannot replicate on an actual stage. <laughs> and if you can replicate it on a stage, it's something they've already seen before and they're like, okay, this isn't going to be anything different than the thing you just did on TikTok 12 days ago. I was in Albuquerque a few months ago and there's a dude, I, I, had a, I was at just one club and uh, I maybe had a hundred people there at most. Okay, the mm-hmm. next week, this other dude was there who I've never even heard of, who brings a DJ on stage, and it was sold out. And I was like, "Oh yeah, he's got like half a million people on TikTok." I'm like, "Excuse me, what the wow. hell?" And then I look at his stuff, and I'm just like, "Oh, I see what he's doing. He's doing the best of everybody else's jokes." <laughs> I got you now. <laughs> A compilation, nigga. <laughs> compilation. Oh, I see them, Mister Bell. I see who you are doing. Okay, because I'm watching this little clip someone's giving him. Like, oh, that's a tail. That's a tail. <laughs> oh, damn. He combining a tail with a, a scholar brother joke at the end. Oh, that's that's magic. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's still, wow. That's some Robin Williams. That's some Robin Williams ass stealing comedy right there. That's beautiful. I'm just like, mm. <clears throat> that's what it takes, right? I mean, Instagram is it, is ridiculous. But I understand why, because back in the day, even before my time, if you got on like a late night show, if you got on Carson, your career has blown up. Right. But now there's so many late night shows. You get on a late night show, it's like, oh, that's great. When well, you get on another one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you got now you got to get Instagram and TikTok, and I hate that stuff because what am I supposed to just say? It's the same thing repeating. Hey, I'm coming to South Bend, Indiana next week. <laughs> hey, I'm coming to Macon, Georgia the week after that. Hey. It's the same thing, but we got to make these stupid tapes and show people. And then I got burned material because yeah. they want me to put little, they want me to put Funny. clips out online. And if I do a clip, they're like, hey, you did that on your thing. We thought, yeah, because it takes me a long time to write a new hour and a half. And talk. I, I I was recently doing a show with, with the headliner who, you know, I'm not a huge name or anything like that, but, you know, has been been around for for a long time and he just didn't do well. He had a good 10 minutes. And then kind of bomb for 50. Okay. <laughs> what? And I I was wait, 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 wait. He had a good 10 minutes and bomb for 50. Yeah. And this is somebody, this is somebody well known. No, not not well known, but had been has been around the industry and and he he did he does that thing where like I was just having lunch with this person, you know, like name dropping and everything like that. It makes me as very as, oh go ahead. As soon as we as soon as we start recording, I won't name. All right, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> And uh, it just it made me really start going back to the conversation of when I was coming up, um, I worked with a lot of shitty headliners. Like there are people that that I, in my opinion, do comedy the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I just kind of going in your journey and then your evolution to to headlining. What what did you go through? Because I I hate the. You know, headliners, you don't do these jokes before I get on stage or don't do this, don't do that. And I'm like, bro, do your time and let me do my time. Because as as I'm transitioning to headlining more, like all I want to do is just, you know, do comedy right. And I want to encourage people. And if they want advice, I'll give it. But I, I definitely don't want to shoot anybody down or 
or crippled anybody right before they perform. What is, I mean, have, have you had a similar experience? With that? Oh yeah. Always. There's always, there's, there's been people's names that will keep out of my mouth right now, but I have come up in this game to where it's like, Hey, don't do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and it's like, Oh, so you don't want me to do my show. Fine, <laughs> we'll do 30 minutes. So fine. We'll do 30 minutes of improv. I'll still kick your ass. Let's go. Bam. And that's what I have to roll with that. And I do that. They're like, you didn't do any material you did last night. No. Cause I'm capable of doing other stuff. Okay. I don't, I mean, I have an act. I have an act. I have several acts. But at the same time, I have ADD. And I call it ad. So, you know, <laughs> but no, uh, I always promised myself when I was when I was not a headliner, that I would not do that to other people. You've been doing it 12. I've been almost doing it 30. When I came up, it was a different time period. And there are people out there who sucked at comedy, but were selling out constantly because they had like 12 minutes on BET mm-hmm. or something. But I, I was always taught uh, by the guys who I looked up to. If you have to go up and tell anybody what they can't do before you, you don't need to be on that stage as the headliner. I don't care. I don't care what you do in front of me. I do not give a damn what you do in front of me. Okay, as long as you ain't pulling your dick out on stage and doing <laughs> shit like that, I don't care what you do on stage. Because I'm going to go up. I'm going to reset that room. I'm make forget you even existed. That's what my job is. That's yes. what my job is yes. to make you get to like, oh, there was another dude in front of him. I forgot he was existing completely. What happened? Yeah. No, that's what my job is. I want to go up. And the next 45 minutes to an hour, depending on how long I want to do that and how long I've told the club I'm going to do, I'm going to hurt you for 45 of those 50 minutes right there. I'm going to let you breathe for a little while because I don't want you dropping dead. So I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to hurt you hard. Yes. I'm going, is- in, I'm going in for the kill. I'm going in for the kill every night. Juggler every night. I want blood everywhere. I want to make this like a massacre every single night. <laughs> yes. Like this so here's my here's where, I, where I'm at right now. I am I'm just in love with quality comedy and quality mm-hmm. comedians. Um, yeah, doing comedy festivals and I'm starting to do more of them. But just essentially being around dope individuals really mm-hmm. not only elevate myself but my performance. And I think it's just good to be around that because when you're around a lot of sh- a lot of shitty comedy or a lot of shitty comedians, it's it's like oh, I'm better than everybody, but am. How much is that? What does that really mean? But when you could perform yeah. with people all across the country and yeah. see where you are, it's like, OK, I feel like I can I can really stack up with this, that and the other. I, I say yeah. all that to say that's where I met you officially. Like, I'm sure we've been officially. following for a while, but for years, for years, we both followed you. I didn't meet you till last year in altercation for real. And, and that was that, was, that we met. That was such a so th- that was one of the, the light switches that I needed in my career to like, all right, stop fucking around and being around that, that, that caliber of just amazing comedy. I didn't even apply last year to the festival. I just was like, Hey, you know, can I roll with y'all? And I had such a great time that this year I applied and this year I got in and I'll, I'll be back there. And, well, this episode is going to come out after that. So I would have already been there and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me back up for a second on this whole statement real quick don't hang out with unfunny comics never do that <laughs> no, no, this sounds this sounds like a complete dick move but i'm being 100 percent honest because you're funny i'm funny i'm never gonna i mean you know they're everybody i might not be funny to some people i'm funny to every, most of them fine but i personally think that the less funny a comic is the more they suck the life and funny out of you mm. you don't want to you don't want to be like people say you don't want to be the smartest person in the room you don't want to be the funniest person in the room because there is nothing these people can help you with and that sounds like i'm being an ass but i'm not it's like we have nothing in common a lot of the comics a lot of the low no i'm, I'm no i'm not being a dick a lot of the best comics a lot of the open micers and people like 
they hate me in town because I don't hang out with them. Why don't you take us on the road? Because you're inconsistent. You're not funny. You got 12 minutes. I don't like you. Those are the things right there. <laughs> <was> like, <laughs> I love it. I love it, though. But that's because they, they suck the funny. Yeah, you, you cannot be the... When I go to places, I want to hang out with the funniest people there. I don't care. I mean, you know me. I will tell stories all night long. And I've had interactions with comics. It's like, Mo, tell the story. No, I'm shutting the hell up because I ain't got nothing compared to these stories you told. You just told me, you just told me Richard Pryor stopped doing cocaine one night to watch Jim Carrey before. I ain't got shit to say. What you talking about? I ain't got shit to say. Just, I'm going I'm to sit here and be a child. I'm going to be at the kids' table listening to your God like qualities. I ain't got nothing to say about that. But, but so, um, <laughs> People, this is free game. Like, I, I don't know for, for, for those who listen how much you get out of these episodes, but I'm telling you, some of this shit is gold. And no matter h- how it applies in your life, I mean, you might be a comic listening to this and be like, you know what? I don't know if I agree with it. I'm telling you, this shit is this is free game right now. That's not, it's, it's true. I don't care if they agree with it. They're going to find out later on a year later. Mo was right. Yeah, I'm right because I've been there. I did this stuff. I know the people I'm talking to. Yeah, I mean, I never want to be the funniest person in the room because that means I have to be the teacher. I want to be the I want to be the student always. Teach me more. Let me want. Let me. I mean, I'll sit down and watch comedy all the time. I don't care. And I got some compliments when I was in at comedy work a few weeks ago. They're like, "You're a next level comic. We we love what you're doing." I'm like, uh, "Thanks. Okay, let's go hang out and watch something else now." And it, it, it you know, if you, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna tell you straight up, Dave. I'm going to tell you straight up, you cannot hang in Denver, Colorado. You need to go get your ass. You need to, if you, if you want to go to comedy boot camp, go to Denver, Colorado. Do every show you can. Get on every single show you can and do them. I mean, it's like go, go find Matt Cobos to do the ratio beer work. Find Katie Bowman, do the uh, high, uh, the uh, sushi high. Do everything you can because that's a comedy boot camp. That's one of the strongest cities I've ever seen in comedy. They gotcha. do not play. They gotcha. don't play, dude. Um, the only, I, I, they don't play. That's one of the, I mean, Chicago is a great place. New York is a great place. L.A., if you're ready for management and stuff like that, just don't go to L.A. It's like, I'm going to start comedy in L.A. That's the worst place you can start comedy. <laughs> That's the worst place you can ever start comedy. You better not go to L.A. before you get like an hour and a half of comedy ready to go. So you can do if you all right, we're gonna put you on the host tonight. Okay, I'm gonna host this show. I do 15 minutes. I'll host the next show. I do a different 15 minutes. I, yo, you come, you come with right. comedy there. You're like, I need to write a new joke. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> comedy festivals are either two things. One, it's it's industry. Two, it's um, networking and meeting other comics and letting people see who you are. Mm-hmm. Com- comedy festivals. I'll tell anybody to do anytime. Um, the North Carolina Comedy Festival in Greensboro with Jenny Stimson and uh, the idiot. Those people are she. I love her. She Jeannie is she is stupid. The woman stays. The woman stays awake for like seventy two hours doing just like we'll go to bed at five o'clock. At six o'clock, she's awake like, hey y'all, I got muffins, bitch. How much crap are you on? What are you no, doing? Go no. to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. Go to sleep. You small bouncy white woman. Go to bed. You, you're too tired. You're gonna kill yourself. Uh, that's one. The Asheville Comedy Festival is a great networking one. Uh, altercation, as you as you learned last year, yeah, is just a bunch of stupidity and <laughs> fun and hanging out with some of the best comics. You know, just hanging out in the parking lot at 1 o'clock in the morning with Brian Posehn and, and Eddie Peppertone yeah, with, a possum, with, with a possum on my shoulder. And they're just like, <laughs> hey, what's up, dude? What's going on? It's an automatic. I mean, that, that's when you find out where you are. That's where you find out where you want to be are in comedy because honestly if those major people will talk to you you're doing well right you know 
Right. <laughs> if somebody if they ain't talking to you, like, oh, maybe I need to rework some shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah like, there are some. There are sometimes like if you if you not if you didn't have a good set, they'll walk right by you. <laughs> by you. They don't make eye by contact. By you. Uh-oh. Uh oh. They're like, oh, oh, oh. It was a it was a good segue. You you brought up the possum, and we 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 got to just talk about the album. Um, okay. Two things. One, um, I was I was looking, and I I was surprised to know that there's been more uh, more albums, right? Like you you released some work. Is there? Oh, yeah. This is this is the only one. This is the first one that's been released on a major label, Stand Up Records. Me and Dan Schlissel got hooked up at altercation a few years ago. That's what happened at altercation. <laughs> At altercation, and Dan and me were kind of cool immediately because we just got talking, and he was just like, "So I see you've already released five albums of your own. Why do you need me?" And I'm like, "I really don't. I could do this on my own constantly." And he was just like, "God damn!" I was like, "Yeah, no, let's roll." And we, we just kind of bonded like that. It was just like, "I'm not gonna bullshit you. You're not gonna bullshit me." We signed some paperwork, and then he started telling me about his dream of doing this inside of Sun Studio in Memphis. Because you know, I'm from Memphis, and yeah. we record we recorded that album inside Sun Studio. The legendary son still Elvis Presley, Chuck, Ike Turner, first slap Tina in that building. You understand what I'm trying to say? Sir? <laughs> that <laughs> this is legendary. This is history right now. Legendary. This is history. I can feel the ghost. I can feel the slap ghost. <laughs> um, he did that because I'm familiar with them. Like they will never even let me in a fucking building. What are you talking about? We're going to yeah. record this in some studio, and then they did. They're like, oh god. I walked. In. I, it did not become real to me until the day before we taped it because mm. they let. We finally had to go into the building and check it out. And they let me in the back door and I walked in. And I'm actually in the engineering place. I'm like, I am not supposed to be in here. <laughs> <laughs> that you know what that's that's major though. So yeah. I've yeah. I, I've released uh two independent albums and the first one I released in 2020 pandemic, I didn't know what I was doing. This mm-hmm. year I'm like, I kind of know what I'm doing now. So I released a, a second album. Again, independent, and it 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 hit number one. I had all those experiences that uh, like Dante had had with his first album, and mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of other comedians this year that's experiencing that. And I was like, wow! Like if I can do this independently, like I would love to release an album, you know, with a record label and see what that experience is. What has been your experience from releasing something independent? And then releasing something with with the record label. I'll tell you honestly, I had this is I've released like five albums independent, okay? And they did, you know, I went through CD Baby and they got me on iTunes and all this other stuff. I had two albums prior featured on the iTunes, you know, chart. Not not on the top one hundred chart, but I'm just like, hey, this is a featured comedy album. You should check this dude out. <laughs> yeah. And this is the first time that it went it it. Let me. It went number one, as you just said. Uh, yours, yeah, man. I think you're. I think you're the man was fighting it out that week. Did that what happened? You, no, did no. Then no. we released it. No, so uh, so I released my my second album in in May, but then I, I okay. did a three uh, track EP. Like, hey, I didn't right. release these with the album, so I released the EP on the same day as yours. So uh, it. <laughs> I was like, it, wait a minute. Oh yeah, you know, so it went it went second on uh on Amazon again, which is still a blessing, and it didn't make it didn't make the iTunes charts at all. But um, okay, that's how I was staying up with you know my my second album. I was able to experience that like okay, like this is this is what it's mm-hmm. all about. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they told me I'm I was in Albuquerque, New Mexico, playing a place called the Dry Heat Comedy Club. Great little room, great people, amazing, just great people. I love them to death. And uh, 
it's a Thursday night. The album is not supposed to come out till Friday. So mm-hmm. I, I, they're like, right before, right before we're doing two shows on a Thursday because some weird that happened. But uh, the first show, they're just like, oh, by the way, your album just went number one on Amazon. And I'm like, what? What do you? What do you? What do you say to me? Did you? I mean, they did to me right before I walked on stage. They said that to me, and then Mo Alexander, I'm like, what? You, what? What? What happened? I'm walking like I got one. I'm like, uh, I, I, I was fl- I was flabbergasted on stage for the first five minutes. I was like, hey, I'm Mo Alexander. I'm gonna tell y'all some jokes and tell y'all some real fucked up stuff about the world. But my album just was number one. So fuck all y'all. And <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you experienced this, but. When when I saw my my album number one on iTunes because it was on Amazon you know like weeks before, um, mm-hmm. but when it hit iTunes also for me I was like I almost cried like I was incredibly yeah. emotional by this this achievement. What when yeah. did it mean for you? Because you know like you said you've been doing this for for decades and you you finally hook up with a, a, a record label and you put you put this art out that you feel very great about and it reaches the top that it can it, it can reach it blew me away dude because you know i've been recording albums before and this one thing which seemed like a a a, a fever dream because i was just like because it was supposed to come out last year because you know kobe <laughs> shut everything down yep so finally, we got everything right. Everything, everything got everything. the people got sick, couldn't do their work, and all this stuff finally came to head. And it dropped, and it came out. And I told you, the Amazon thing hit me first on the first show. On the second show, they're like, "Oh, by the way, you're number one on iTunes now too." And I just, I couldn't breathe. I could not breathe. I'm just like, I was shaking the entire time I was on stage for that second show. I was shaking. I'm just like, I just went number one on iTunes and Amazon. And Dan is the Dan, the regular producer, uh, the stand-up stand-up records dude. He he was just excited, and I'm excited. We're both just. I'm on the phone with him between shows. Like he's like, <laughs> <laughs> and he he's doubly happy because the number one that night, the number one and the number three album for both his. Yeah, both yeah I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was just like, holy crap. It's like Mo and Daryl. Daryl was, uh, Daryl's like, I know Daryl, I can't think of his last name right now. But we had, he had the numbers one and three albums and it was like encompassing, I think, I don't remember the second one, but it was just like, he was just yeah. ecstatic. He was just ecstatic. I'm just like, I'm happy as hell too. This is the best thing to ever happened to me. And it was just like, from July to I guess September has just been a whirlwind of all this stuff. Because every year I usually go out to Denver for a month and do every show I can out there and work new stuff. And uh, I I got hooked up with the people at Comedy Works, um, which if you don't know people, Comedy Works is an A-plus club. It's not just an A-room. It's an A-plus club. Mm. They treat you like they treat you like a human being. They're awesome. Everybody there is awesome. They took me in and I, I just headed on that club like two weeks ago for the first time ever for like not just like a you know five shows they gave me the whole five shows uh, awesome. six shows yeah so um every it, 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 the whole album just made everything explode so right now there's a lot of good things happening I'm also in winning season right now I'm telling so, you <laughs> um, so we just we just we just we just trying to stay sane and not making stupid decisions before we have to you know what I mean. Okay, so um, we're we're almost out of time, but I want to I want to keep on the album. So uh, tell tell everybody uh, the name of the album 
and what what all went into this these are the jokes for this album because that was yes that was sort of tricky for me with the first one the first one i did was again 2020 and it was just a collection of jokes that i had been telling for years so it, mm-hmm. it almost mm-hmm. didn't even have uh, a story to it it was just like okay these are some of my best jokes these are some new best jokes by the time i did the second one i'm like these are the things I didn't get right on the first album. So let mm-hmm. me go on that. So how did you, you know, put together these these collections of of, of material? Um, it takes me like it takes usually takes me about a year and a half or a year to write an entire album that I want to record. There's all other material that gets thrown away during the year. I can you know, something happens, bad, 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 great, get rid of it. Let's do it. It's too old now. Uh, this is the collection that came out starting with Mo. The first, of the, first of all, the name of the album is Mo Possum Blue. Okay, <laughs> that's the name of the album. There's actually, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this, but there's a song on the album. I actually sing a song. There's a blues song called Mo Possum Blues on the album. That's the last track of the album. No. Um, <laughs> it, I, I promise you. I promise you. We did a blues song. It, we went back into some studio and recorded a blues song inside a stack. While my little possum friend sat on the engineer's shoulder, I got pictures. Uh, <laughs> um, the whole thing begins with an attack by a possum that was in my house. And right. People, people don't understand. This is these are stories are true. We were really doing renovations to my house, and I was attacked by a possum. It really wasn't a possum attack. He just he was scared. I was scared. He was close to me. We both screamed and ran to each other. The whole thing is just it's just messed up. But the story is true, and most people don't believe that. It's so true, in fact, that if you buy the copy of my album called Mo Possum Blues on iTunes or Amazon or anywhere, you'll see the picture. The album cover is me yes. riding a possum. <laughs> that, that is my non-releasable possum, Poncho, who I, believe, <laughs> who I believe is the grandson of the possum that originally attacked me. That's the story. I'm not, I'm not kidding. It's all full circle. It's the whole circle of life thing. And he came back. And what happens, people don't believe this, Dave. People don't believe this. But after the possible thing, I have pictures and you want to see these. <laughs> I, I, I have pictures it. to prove everything. Uh, Christmas Day, the possum that we think attacked me came back and just sat on a box in my room and spoke. To, he, I, I got pictures. He sat on the box like, hey, man. I'm really sorry about what happened. It was a misunderstanding. I didn't mean to come after you. You didn't mean to come after me. I need you to do me a favor because you're a good person. I didn't knock up this bitch of, of a possum. And she got, <laughs> she's only got 13 titties and she got 14 babies. And I'm going to need you to take over a baby for me in about a month and a half. And about a month and a half later, this little possum just walked into my house <laughs> and he was like this big. And he was this big and he was just like, hey, how you doing? And we're just like, oh, he's so cute. We're going to have to take care of him because he can't go back to his mother now. And right. So, but yeah, the, al- the album is called Mo Possum Blues. All the stories are true. I don't make fun. They talk about, I talk about, I, all the stuff that's on this album has happened to me or something. I either write about something very personal or something worldwide that mm-hmm. everyone will know about. Those are the two things I write about. And we go hard on this album. We go from school shootings. We mm-hmm. go from Trump being the, possibly the Antichrist. And I have mathematically proved it. I have, <laughs> I have proved it mathematically. Uh, we have everything from the, that. Uh, uh, the, we got robbed. I got robbed at four o'clock at four o'clock in the morning at the best possible time you could ever be robbed. <laughs> you high as hell. I was high as hell when we got robbed. I'm so high, dude. I was actually talking trash to the little 14 year old boy in Run DMC gear who robbed us because he comes wow. up to me 
and, and puts a gun in my head, and the gun was bigger than his hand. His hand, and I'm so high. I'm like, hey man, did your mama, did your daddy? I'm sorry, did your mama's man friend know you have his gun out tonight? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm a problem. I'm a problem, sir. I'm a problem. <laughs> what uh, what is what is your favorite track on the on the album? Three of your most popular ones is the first track, Possum. <laughs> yep. Uh, Slavery, and then Blue Ooh. Lives, White Privilege. Um, so yep. those those are the three right now on 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 uh, Apple Music that are the the top tracks. What is your favorite, or maybe the one that most people have resonated with or, or hit you up about? Uh, probably Blue Lives Matter, White Privilege. Those that joke, those jokes, those jokes are wrong, and they're absolutely <laughs> right. <That's> a, <laughs> they're absolutely right, though. They're and because they're true. Incidents in my there's truth. There's, there's truth in those things that people don't want to. People don't want to understand it, but those are my favorite because I define, I give you white privilege. I have given you the definition of white privilege on that album. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story. I'm going to tell you the definition of white privilege just so everyone is out who's listening to this can go buy the album because I'll interest them. The definition of white privilege in America today is a TV show <laughs> from Day's home state called, <laughs> called American Pickers. That's all I'm going to tell you right there. American Pickers is the absolute best definition of white privilege. If you don't know why, listen to the album. You'll be like, yep, he's right. He's right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. White privilege right there. Hey, man. I, uh, I, first of all, it's dope talking with you. I, I love this type of dialogue and just the information that you, you were able to share. But, bruh, man, keep killing it because it's something about being in winning season where it's like, oh, when is it going to be over? doesn't have to be over until you say right. it's over so right continue to build and grow and do all this dope shit and congrats to the album because if you understand it like i do it's not an easy task and not everybody that puts out an album has a number one album you know what i mean right so it's, right. it's you know it's, it's something to be very proud about and gracious but also understand like you know it's just ammunition and, and gearing up for the next project so uh congrats exactly to you. anything that you, you want to say to the people that's listening uh, I hate to do it, but I need all you people to follow me online at all these stupid locations that I hate to deal with, such as Instagram and Facebook. Facebook is Comedian Mo Alexander. That is the fan page. Please do not try to friend me on my real page. I got 5,000 people there. I will deny you. You'll live in, you'll live in limbo forever. Uh, Facebook is Comedian Mo Alexander. Instagram is Mo Alexander. Um, TikTok is Mo Alexander Comedy because there's some little white kid named Mo Alexander get Mo Alexander. <laughs> so it's a more <laughs> you must get a lot of weird mail like hey you can't say this what did i say you're mo alexander aren't you yeah but yeah. uh mo alexander comedy on tiktok i really need you to follow me there on instagram and twitter and mo alexander i hate doing social media i just want to walk on stage be funny you tell your friends so the next time you come back you can bring 12 friends and then i want to pack out every room because people have seen me and told us the friends not because i'm doing stupid crap online but i have to do some stupid crap online so that's what I'm gonna do. So I get off the air with you, and after you tell me who that head, after you tell me who that headliner was, out the air, and uh, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I definitely will, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, I, got it. I got to know this. I got to. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for letting me come on talk about my album, Mo Alexander, Mo Possum Blues, featuring the 
lovely and talented Poncho the Possum. 